Hello and welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I explore something unexplained, talk about what it is and look at what else it could possibly be. Research is done as academically as possible and references will be given after the stories. This week, I'm looking at the disappearance of Dorothy Arnold. Dorothy Arnold was born on July 1st, 1885. She was the daughter of Francis Arnold, a perfume importer. At the age of 25, she mysteriously disappeared on December 12th, 1910. Before her disappearance, Dorothy's life had been rather comfortable. Her uncle was a Supreme Court Justice, Rufus Peckham. Her family was regarded as the top of high society and were thought to be at the same level as their modern counterparts, the Rockefellers, Rothschilds and Zwerners. After graduating from Bryn Mawr College in Pennsylvania, Dorothy began to pursue ambitions of being a writer. She was unsuccessful in becoming published though. In her free time, she did what the rich do and mingled with others gaining a reputation for being a society girl. Her parents had made fun of her writing failures, but knew about her embrace of the socialite life and how she would spend time at lunch with her friends and how suitors would attempt to court her. On December 12th, 1910, Dorothy left the family home in New York City. She was wearing a blue serge coat, a straight cut skirt and a black velvet hat. Because it was cold, she also carried a fox fur muff to keep her hands warm. She told her mother that she was going to purchase a gown for her sister's coming out party, which is related to being a debutante. Her mother offered to go with her, but Dorothy declined. Her mother was sick and Dorothy likely didn't want to cause her any extra stress. So Dorothy went out alone. She didn't go straight to the department store on Fifth Avenue, which some think is suspicious. She was a socialite and only needed to get a dress, so it makes sense that she would take her time while she was out. Dorothy went to the Park and Tilford store, located on the corner of Fifth and 27th. Here, she bought a box of chocolates Then she made her way to Brentano's bookstore. Here she bought a book called Engaged Girl Sketches by Emily Calvin Blake. She left the bookstore around 2pm and met her friend Gladys King. Someone's cutting their grass. Gladys confirmed that they had spoken for a while and that Dorothy had seemed carefree and in good spirits. As they parted ways, Dorothy told Gladys that she was going to take a walk through Central Park. When Dorothy didn't come home for dinner, her family began to worry. They began to ask her friends if they knew where she was. Nobody admitted to seeing her. The family decided to wait for her to come home. 
After midnight, one of the friends the family had contacted, Elsie Henry, phoned back to inquire about Dorothy. Dorothy's mother answered and told Elsie that Dorothy had come home but was unable to come to the telephone because she had a headache. That answer was a lie. Dorothy hadn't returned home and there was never a reason given for the deception. The truth was that Dorothy was still missing and possibly in danger. The next morning, the family decided not to go to the police when they discovered that Dorothy still hadn't come home. Instead, they contacted John Keith, who was a friend of Dorothy's brother. John worked as a junior partner in the Garvin K. Armstrong law firm. John had also taken Dorothy to dances and lectures at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Dorothy's brother asked John to stop by the Arnold house on his way to work that morning. John asked if it could wait and Dorothy's brother said it was serious and that it couldn't. John came over and was taken to Dorothy's room. They searched it and found some personal letters. Some of these letters had foreign postmarks. They also found two transatlantic steamship folders. In the fireplace, John found burned paper. He couldn't find anything with writing on it, but Dorothy's brother suggested it may be the remains of a rejected manuscript. John ruled out that Dorothy had left of her own accord because all of her things had been left in her room. He didn't think she would have left without taking at least her valuables. John, satisfied that there was no evidence in Dorothy's room, began to suggest that they search jails, hospitals and even morgues to find Dorothy. Out of fear that the disappearance would become a media spectacle and would cause shame for the family, the Arnolds agreed to allow John to go and search those places for signs of Dorothy. For weeks, John would make visits to New York jails, hospitals and morgues. He even extended his search to Boston and Philadelphia, spending days walking the halls of these places, looking at all the women in the hopes of finding Dorothy. The search turned up nothing, so he returned to the Arnolds and suggested that they contact the Pinkertons. The Pinkertons were detectives based in Chicago, Illinois. Their founder had skills in espionage, which he directed towards his detective agency, allowing the Pinkertons to become formidable investigators. The Pinkertons listened to the story of Dorothy's disappearance and immediately sent out a circular to police departments across the country, describing Dorothy and offering a $1,000 reward for information that would lead to her return. During the six-week investigation that John had taken, the Arnolds had followed their own leads. Dorothy had been in a relationship with a man named George Griscom Jr. He was 42, an engineer, and had also come from an affluent family. Dorothy's parents disapproved of him. They had met while Dorothy was at Bryn Mawr. 
He was 20 years older than her and her parents thought he had nothing to do, which would stifle Dorothy. A year before she had disappeared, Dorothy had lied to her parents about George. She said she was visiting an old college friend, but had instead gone to Boston to see George. Her parents found out, brought her home, and forbade her from seeing him. Naturally, now she had disappeared, they thought George had something to do with it. George had been in Italy when Dorothy disappeared, though. The Arnolds sent a telegram to George in Italy on December 16th, asking him if he knew where Dorothy was. George said that he didn't know anything, but the Arnolds weren't satisfied. Dorothy's mother and brother went to Italy to speak to George directly in January 1911. They met in a hotel in Florence, and Dorothy's brother put some pressure on him. George confessed that he loved Dorothy, but denied knowing where she was once more. Dorothy's brother punched him in the jaw. On January 25th, Dorothy's father called for the press to come to his office. On January 26, 1911, Dorothy's disappearance was made public. The New York Police Department was there and, despite their insistence on the belief that she was alive, Francis Arnold said that he was firmly convinced that she was dead and that he would spend every dollar he had to avenge her death. He said that he believed that Dorothy had been killed in Central Park and that her body had been thrown into the Central Park Reservoir. The idea that Dorothy's body had been put into the reservoir was dismissed by police since it had been cold enough to have frozen the reservoir on the day that she disappeared. However, when it thawed, the police searched for her body and came up empty-handed. The Arnold family also received two ransom notes asking for $5,000 to return Dorothy, along with threats to Dorothy's sister. The notes were ignored and thought to be hoaxes. The search for Dorothy Arnold ended up being a nationwide effort. That effort wasn't enough and Dorothy remains missing. Dorothy Arnold's disappearance was hidden from the police for six weeks and by the time they got involved the leads had gone cold. What happened to Dorothy? There are a few theories. A warning, these theories look at themes of suicide and murder so just end the episode here if that's going to upset you. The first theory today is that Dorothy committed suicide. She wanted a writing career, but suffered a lot of rejections from publishers. These rejections eventually proved too much for her, and she took her own life. George Griscom Jr. thought this was possible, and she'd written entries in her journal expressing how disappointed she was over the rejections. 
The main issue with this is that she came from an affluent family. She had the money to ensure that she could be successful. So it just doesn't seem all that likely that she would go down that route. The second theory is that Dorothy had slipped and fallen on the icy paths in Central Park, hitting her head. This bump on the head is meant to have caused amnesia in Dorothy. It was a busy day outside though, and nobody came forward to say they'd seen anybody fall. The hospitals also had no records of anyone falling and hitting their heads on that day. Some people believe that Dorothy was kidnapped, including the Arnold family. In 1916, an inmate in the Rhode Island State Prison, Edward Glenorris, claimed that he'd been paid $250 to dispose of a body around the time that Dorothy disappeared. He was supposed to transport an unconscious woman to Weehawken, New Jersey, by a man named Louie. When he got there, Louie told him that the woman was Dorothy Arnold. The proof was a signet ring that Dorothy had been wearing when she disappeared. Edward returned the next day to kill and dispose of Dorothy, only to find she was already dead. He buried her in the basement. When questioned, Edward said that there were two people at the house he had picked the woman up from. One of them matched the description of George Griscom Jr. He said that the woman had been taken to New Jersey for an operation. The police eventually heard the story, but he then claimed he didn't know anything about Dorothy. A search was conducted, but nothing was ever found. This doesn't make much sense though, since George was in Italy at the time of Dorothy's disappearance. It's likely that this one isn't the right answer. Linking to the previous theory, one of the theories suggests that Dorothy had become pregnant with Edward's baby. She couldn't afford to keep it whilst at home and George wasn't there to help, so she went to an abortion clinic. It was the 1910s and so these clinics were underground and not legal. This theory is apparently corroborated by a doctor who ran a clinic known as The House, who claims to have performed a procedure on Dorothy. However, he also said that a complication caused her death. The police once said that the case had been solved, which was rebutted by the Arnold family, who said that the information was untrue. This conflict caused more speculation about the case. It's possible that the family had Dorothy taken and faked the whole thing, but they spent over $100,000 in four months of looking for her, so it's unlikely that they are the culprits. For the same reasons, it's possible that the police covered up the truth. Who they answered to is unknown, but the fact that they said that the case was closed even though there was no new evidence is kind of fishy. Regardless of what you think, 
Dorothy Arnold disappeared just before Christmas in 1910. She's never been found, and nobody knows what happened to her. The story and theories from this episode came from an American Heritage article called The Girl Who Never Came Back, a Medium article called The Peculiar Disappearance of Dorothy Arnold, a true crime edition article called New York's Most Infamous Disappearance, and an ATI article called The Mysterious Case of Dorothy Arnold, the Wealthy Socialite Who Vanished in Plain Sight. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Speaking of social media, links to those and other ways to listen are in the episode description under my link tree. You can currently find me on Facebook and Instagram. Patreon is getting an upload of one of the transcripts each week as part of the £3 tier. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree and, as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. I do have an email set up on the link tree, but it doesn't open a new email, so that's in the description of the episode too. Send me your spooky stories, unexplained events, and anything else you want me to read out. Or, if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said, let me know and I'll address them as soon as I see the email. The next creature feature will be out on Saturday, and next week's episode comes out on July 19th. So hold on until then. <laughs>